3: Hi, I'm Jessica Popovac with the Curious City team. This year, Chicago has been marking a grim centennial, the 100th anniversary of the race riot of 1919. This past summer, Curious City explored the causes and effects of the bloody events of that summer. In addition, some of our colleagues recently produced a half-hour special that took a fresh look at the riots. They revisited 1919 through the lens of drama. WBEZ and the podcast production company Make Believe Association created a radio play, a docudrama that brings us closer to how it felt to live through the riot and to reckon with its effects on Chicago today. Their interpretation really brings the history alive, and so we wanted to share it with you. This is City on Fire, Chicago Race Riot 1919. Our guide for the journey is Natalie Moore.
1: Sunday, July twenty seventh. A wooden raft on Lake Michigan. Oh,
4: I hate to see that evening sun go down. Hate to see the evening sun go down. Leave me alone. I'm singing. Cause my baby, she done left this town. Oh, what was that? Eugene, did you see that? What was that? Look out, man. Hey,
5: who threw that? On the beach.
4: Hey, on the beach. Hey,
5: that almost hit me. Eugene!
1: (laughs) Half an hour later, 29th Street Beach.
4: All right, all right. Let the officer through, please. There, he's the one. Hey, quiet, quiet.
6: You throw a rock, you hit a Negro. Well, oh, what the hell is she even doing here? All these Negroes, this is the white beach. That
2: boy sank right out of sight. We can't find might have killed him. I said
6: quiet or you're all coming to jail. Now, look, they say there was a Negro on a raft and a white fellow threw rocks at him. Was it you or not? Hard to say, officer. A lot of people out here. A lot of rocks, you know? Well, well, he says it wasn't him.
5: Hey, you can't push me. There's a cop here. I don't care about no cop. Oh, yeah?
6: Well, then you're under arrest.
0: No, 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 no.
6: This is our beach. Go back where you belong. Go to hell.
1: What led to this burst of racial violence, the spark that set the city blazing? In 1919, Chicago had a reputation as a place where conflicts like that didn't happen, all things considered, the city was held to be pretty fair to black people. That's one reason why so many had been moving here. State Street, corner of 29th. My cousin sent for us down to Mississippi. Said up here, a body
2: can breathe. Ride the streetcars where we please. Well, I got work at the stockyards right away. The union fellows don't like having us around. Pays better than a field in Georgia, though. That's
4: right. And I don't have to mister every white boy that comes along. That's right. Look, here at State Street, color folks got drug stores, newspapers, ice cream.
2: (laughs) I tell you, though, the first time I took that streetcar and saw colored peoples touching elbows with white people, Mm. I just held my breath. I thought any minute they would start something. But nobody noticed. That's when I thought,
1: this is a real place for colored people. (laughs) She wasn't alone in thinking so. In the years just prior to 1919, more than 50,000 Black people moved here from the South, seeking jobs and freedom. But Chicago failed to accommodate the new arrivals. They were forced to live in a narrow section of the South Side. They called it the Black Belt. The old and run-down houses filled up quickly and kept filling. And so, Black families had no choice. They began moving into the white neighborhoods next door. 48th Street and Kenwood Avenue.
6: Personally, I have no prejudice against Negroes. But speaking for the Homeowners Association, you know, they injure our investments. They hurt our values. Look around. You see how carefully we keep up these houses. Now, that doesn't mean we condone the, uh, the unfortunate incidents that we've been reading about. You
1: here. mean the bombs.
6: Excuse me?
1: This is Ida B. Wells Barnett the activists and journalists.
5: You mean the Negro houses in white neighborhoods, the ones bombed every few weeks since this migration started?
6: We, our
5: position You mean the Negro children killed? Well, now, that's Maybe you mean the gangs of hoodlums, forgive me, the athletic clubs, beating Negro workers going to and from the stockyards, and no
1: arrests for any
5: of it.
6: I, um, good day to you. Good day.
1: (laughs) Three weeks before the riot... Ida B. Wells-Barnett had written a letter to the editor of the Chicago Daily Tribune.
5: It looks very much like Chicago is trying to rival the South in its race hatred against the Negro. Will the legal, moral, and civic forces of this town stand idly by and take no action until further disaster has occurred? I implore Chicago to set the wheels of justice in motion before it's too late. I told you that day. I told you all it was coming.
1: On the day Eugene Williams drowned, it came.
6: Hey! They're off those tracks! All of you, move! Get off this streetcar! Shut up! Yeah, yeah, okay. Nobody move till we deal with the Negro. Yeah, I see you, you goddamn scab. He's running.
4: Grab him. Grab him! Are you okay? You shot? Come on. Come on, get up. Anybody here? Get inside this house. They're gonna come back. Why you think I'm out here? Give me that rock. Give it. Come on, we only got five minutes. You're gonna get yourself shot. What do I tell you? Don't go looking for trouble. I didn't look for this. Trouble came my way, but I ain't dodging. It's our house, it's our block, and I'm about to defend it. Now get inside. Sir. best. Here they come! What? Look out! Run!
2: It's another car.
4: Run! Down! Get down! Get down! Yeah!
6: The Negroes all got guns. Everybody says all a big plan, been waiting for this. They're gonna white mob
2: headed for the black belt. Says who? Everybody says they're gonna burn us out, burn it all. Might just be rumors, though.
6: Might not be true. You want to take that chance, do you? You want to die tonight? (laughs) Better than Better than 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 us.
1: 24 hours after Eugene Williams' death, panic seizes the city. Mobs attack people of other races. The police scramble to maintain order. The governor calls up the militia. 4,000 troops rush to the armories, expecting at any minute orders to take to the streets and stop the fighting. But the orders don't come. The fighting spreads. And now, the workday is ending. In different parts of the South Side, two workers start for home.
4: That Monday, soon as my shift ends, I worked the line at the Great Western Works over by the Yards. I was out of there. But the foreman says, not so fast, fellas. Those Irish boys are going crazy. Gotta wait. So I say, okay, you got it. Watch this. Soon as he turns his back, I'm up the fence and over. It's hotter than hell in there. I gotta go.
6: Afternoon is when I started to see it. The fear on the workers' faces... See, at my laundry, we employ both whites and Negroes. Our customers are the same. A mix. How could it not be at 36th and State? But we get along. Our collars all need cleaning, don't they? And I can see they're scared. Black and white. So I tell them, go home early. Take care. I stay behind to lock up. I turn the key, I turn around,
4: and there they are. Now, if I had wings, I'd fly right back over that fence. But I don't so I can't. Every Negro in the yard's got a story about dodging a couple of Irish boys to get it back across Wentworth, where it's safe. I'm ready for that. But this time, there's hundreds of them. And they got bricks and rocks and... And they see me as soon as I see them. So I run.
6: There are these three young men standing there boys, practically. I was about to say, move aside, please, so I could get in the car, but one grabbed my necktie and one got my pocketbook and I feel something sharp right here by my suspender.
4: Brick caught my shoulder, sent me flying. I get up and I start swinging, but they own me now.
6: My wife jumps out of the car, screaming. She runs so fast her hat flies off Then I was gone before she reached me. Eugene Temple.
4: I know it happened, but I didn't feel it happen It's mercy in that i mean the knife to the heart when it finished me oscar Doja.
1: by tuesday the next morning the city is reeling 20 people are dead then it gets worse a transit strike cripples the city the streetcars and elevated trains that move four million people a day stop running Residents of the Black Belt take increasingly desperate measures. Some look for shelter at the headquarters of the police response.
6: Dan Avenue, fighting reported where?
1: They tell harrowing stories. The street lights are shut out. There's blood on the pavement.
6: And there's no fool. I understand, ma'am,
2: but we've turned the corner. No, I don't think you do understand. No fools got into the colored areas since Friday. It's Tuesday. People got babies, ma'am.
6: I'm trying to tell you. We've finally set up our perimeter. It's all around the
2: black belt, so deliver Yeah, well, white folks shooting up the black belt anyway, so no food. And color folks can't just stay cooped up in our neighborhood. we got to go to work, don't we?
6: Now, see here. It's taken just about every cop in the city, but we've got a handle on this thing. Now, I no, understand... No, I don't think you, you
2: do understand. If you'll excuse me. You police could have stopped us right there on the beach and you didn't, Adams and, and now you can't Quiet. stop it at all. Quiet! Where was
6: that last report? Adams and Wabash.
2: Adams, that's not the south side. That's
6: that's downtown. It's the loop. Oh my God. Sergeant, with me. You, you, and you, with me.
2: Now you understand.
1: On Tuesday night, July 29th, 1919, Carl Sandberg writes a poem. He writes about living in a world of hoodlums, about people who hate and kill. He has spent the day watching black and white Chicagoans murder each other. The race riot, in its third day, defeats every attempt to contain it. The loop, the heart of downtown, descends into chaos. With the police deployed to the south side, white mobs roam free. They hunt black people in hotels and restaurants. They chase a black man into the street, shoot him, rob him, and roll him into the gutter to die on one of the busiest streets in town. The leading voices of black Chicago scramble to respond. At the Olivet Baptist Church, the city's black religious and civic leaders hold an emergency meeting. Police
4: protection is inadequate. It's past time to call out the militia. Tell the mayor he's to blame. Our fine mayor is not to blame. The colored people of Chicago should pledge their lives to assist the police. We should have no patience with rioters, white or black. Our people aren't the problem. Some of us forget that the white man has given us freedom. Our report should tell freedom the Freedom to have our houses burned? Freedom to be shot? We must eliminate open vice and gambling. These are the breeding spots Mrs. Wells Burnett, Mrs. Wells Burnett, please set
6: this man straight.
5: The whites with their prejudice are responsible for this fighting. Mm-hmm. But so are the negroes. You can't think that, Ida. The negroes The are negroes the- are fighting back because they are soldiers now. There you go. This country says that it's a brave thing when a strong young negro goes to war to kill Germans. Well, then it is just as brave to kill the white Hans here who take his life, destroy his home, and insult his manhood. The fighting in Chicago shows that there is a new Negro in America now. <laughs> Tell the mayor that.
1: On Wednesday, day four, the chaos reaches all the way into City Hall. Chicago's aldermen summon the chief of police to an emergency session.
5: We turn on to
6: 47th and pop, 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 pop. Those colored rioters shot at me in my own war. I understand, Alderman. Last night was bad down there. I just toured that area myself. And I can tell you that things are very good and very fine. Oh, they may be fine now, Chief. But they won't be tonight in my own ward, by God. I I think what the alderman is saying, chief, is that this is day four of this uh, riot and people are still getting killed. And we'll keep being killed. So why not call out the militia? My judgment, alderman, is we don't need them. (laughs) The mayor and I both feel we'd risk having untrained... No, no, no. Just hold on there, chief. You've got this delegation of Negro leaders. You've got, you've got, you've got, you've got all the daily papers. Hey, you even have some of your own men saying, please, Mr. Mayor, send out those troops. But you and the mayor say this city doesn't need them. No, Alderman, this city doesn't. By God, this is just politics. I'd ask we not bring politics into this. I'll say what I think. This is rotten politics. I this, think is, the this, this is what this is saying, Chief. Is that we, we look at the facts? Now we've had six thousand armed troops waiting in armory since Monday night. The mayor could call them out. The governor could call them out, but they don't because because uh, they'd be embarrassed. <laughs> now, hold on. They want to be president? Now, now <laughs> we don't blame you, Chief. Your hands are tied. My hands aren't tied. I'm I'm doing my best, and if you all don't think I can handle this riot, I'll step out, and you can do no it. No one is right, saying then. that. No one is suggesting. So, no help is coming. By God, I'm going to tell my people that if they want to stay safe, they need to arm themselves.
2: Burned alive. A Negro man burned alive! Stop
4: believing what folks
2: said. Nobody said. It's right here in the picture. What?
6: P- says here. here Negroes broke into the armory, got guns, hundreds of them. What? I told you. Look, says, says here, here there's black bodies in Bubbly Creek. Lots
5: of black we bodies. Beat a white woman and her baby? Beat them and left them in the street?
1: None of those reports are true. They're animals. I know. It doesn't matter. They're
2: devils. Is true.
1: After four days of fighting that have left 35 people dead, Chicagoans believe the worst about each other, especially when a new sound begins to ring out. First, one, then another, then a dozen, then more. Fire trucks screaming up and down the streets. Chicagoans look on, powerless, as more than 30 fires, intentionally set by mobs, ravage the South Side. Chicagoans aren't just destroying each other now, they're destroying the city itself. Firefighters can't reach all those burning houses. Or, the people inside.
2: When there was nowhere else to go, we crawled under the kitchen table. Me and both girls, one under each arm. I remember thinking it's strange how we'd wish the paint on those walls would hurry up and dry. We'd only just moved in, and now they're burning black all around us. It was hard to see my husband through the smoke. He was using a broken piece of our vanity mirror to look out the window without getting shot. I knew without him saying it that those white boys must still be out there. They wanted us to run out of the burning house because then they got to beat us, or maybe shoot us, or maybe worse. And I knew without him saying that it's better to burn up in here, all of us, than to put our girls through that. And the firemen, they gave up on reaching us when the sun was still out. Something landed on the table, hard. Fire all the way to the roof, I thought. My husband crawled over to see if we were hurt and now it's all four of us under there. And I held the girls tighter. I prayed to God that when they woke up in heaven, they wouldn't even remember the word Chicago. I don't know how long I prayed before the last window broke. There was a hissing sound. Bomb, I thought. It didn't sound as big as the last one. Big enough, though. Only somehow my dress was, the hem of my dress was wet. And my husband knew without me saying it, it was time for us to run. We each took a breath and grabbed a girl and ran for the door. We were outside and we weren't dead. We were outside with a fire truck. It was spraying water on our house. At both ends of the block, a wall of white faces was screaming at us, cursing us, shaking their fists, standing between us and them. Soldiers. A wall of soldiers. With bayonets pointed at the crowd. I was still getting wet. Was it the fire truck? No. Was it from Mary crying? No. (laughs) though she was. Though I told her again and again, you're okay. It's okay. We're okay. That's when I looked up. It has started to rain.
6: Paul, stay! Stand. Five cents. Watch your step, please. Watch your step, man. Watch the umbrella, sir.
1: Thursday, the morning after Mayor Thompson asked the governor finally to send out the militia. The day when rain clears the streets. Boy, am I glad to
6: be seen. Oh, boy!
1: Chicagoans begin a return to normal life. One bottle, please. No, two. Make it two of milk. Stores reopen. Food, milk, and ice deliveries resume.
4: I got that piece. Dad, I got that. I got that. Okay, okay.
1: Even as the cleanup begins, the violence continues. More houses burn in the days ahead, and more people suffer. Finally, 13 days after the drowning of Eugene Williams, the riot is extinguished. It leaves 38 people dead, 23 black, 15 white. More than 500 people are injured. More than 1,000 are homeless. A police officer does lose his badge for refusing to arrest the man who threw rocks at Eugene Williams. Two months later, he gets it back.
6: The only permanent cure for social disorder is the fear of God. He alone can make men of all races dwell together in unity.
1: That Sunday, and for many Sundays to come, ministers will preach about the riot.
6: I hear that you will remain here, jobs or no jobs. It is said that you would rather die here of hunger than die yonder from other plagues.
1: They will propose ways to keep that kind of racial violence from ever returning.
6: The riot has upset all our idealism. I believe in segregating the blacks for their own good, as well as the good of the whites.
1: After the terror of the riot, many Chicagoans agree with him. The coroner's jury will propose segregating the races. So will an alderman. No such law goes into effect. But as the Chicago defender notes at the time, if people fear and dislike each other enough and want to live apart, no such law will be needed. And that is precisely what happens, in many ways, in many places, in the decades after the riot. But the most significant response to the riot was a report. Governor Loudon commissioned a group of civic leaders, black and white, to identify the causes of the violence and to propose a way forward. Researchers spent more than a year holding meetings, conducting interviews, and making studies. They went far beyond the riot— they studied the life of the negro community in Chicago itself. When the 700-page report was published, it was hailed as a landmark in American race relations. A New York newspaper declared, "Chicago points the way toward solving the negro problem." Mm-hmm. It Ida B Wells? Yes. It, uh Go on. But you're waiting. Th- Okay, Um, the the report said better relations would not come quickly. To help that moment arrive, it made dozens of recommendations.
5: 59.
1: Yes, 59. Addressed to different groups around the city to elected leaders, police, religious leaders.
5: Homeowners. Yes, homeowners. The press. Yes, the, the press. All the guilty parties. See, the riot left this city standing humble before the world. A young Negro wanted to bathe in a lake on a hot summer day, and he was killed for it. Lynch law was king, and it was plain to everyone, to the world, that Chicago must finally make its democracy safe for Negroes. Now, you have these 59 recommendations? Yes, ma'am. There's one about schools, about the deficient schools in Negro neighborhoods.
1: Yes, that they be, uh, let's see, uh, at least equal to the average standard of the city. Did it happen? Well, no. There are persistent gaps in student outcomes. How about
5: guns? Wh- the most stringent means be used to control the importation
1: and possession of guns. Gun violence is an epidemic in several neighborhoods on the south Th- and What West about side.
5: police misconduct being punished? Oh, Lord, never mind that one. Look... Do Negro families earn as much money as whites do now?
1: No, the wealth gap is... Are they is... as healthy now? No, black Chicagoans die younger and are more likely to live in poverty. Is the city segregated now? Oh, yes. Very segregated now?
5: Yes. Read the part that says ending segregation has to happen for any other kind of progress.
1: That'll take a moment. Just one?
5: How <laughs> equal opportunity. Black women should have to those
6: Well, now. the black tax is more
4: crime. No. <laughs> what about sitting no. Oh. Not... What about... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what about... <but laughs> what about... Feeling tomorrow Like I feel today If I feel tomorrow Like I feel today I'll pack my trunk Make my getaway.
0: City on Fire, Chicago Race Riot 1919, was written by Natalie Moore and Jeremy McCarter, with original music and sound design by Mikhail Fixel. The cast featured Ayana Bria Bakari, Brenda Berry, Terry Bell, Eduardo Curly Carrillo, Charles Andrew Gardner, Lawrence Grimm, Francis Guinan, Sam Hubbard, C. Anthony Jackson, Timothy Edward Kane, Ryan Kitley, Tavion Lanier, Al McGee, Marcus D. Moore, A.C. Smith, Andre Teemer, Angie White, and Jacqueline Williams as Ida B. Wells. The casting director was Laura Alcala baker The production manager was Madeline Borg. The production coordinator was Irissa Apontaku. The stage manager was Heather Sparling. Engineering by Adam Yaffe, Deshawn Smith, Shelley Stephens, and J. Kyle White-Sullivan. Special thanks to Kate Cahan, Adam Green, and Liesl Olson. This has been a co-production of WBEZ and Make Believe Association.